Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Grab Lives podcast. I'm your co-host, Trevor Steppen, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, John Vargas, and we have our favorite guest who's back in town, Wolf Pernananda. We asked Wolf to sit with us today because um, we really value his opinion and his guidance on a very personal subject. Now, when I asked John, hey, what's the topic for discussion this week? He uh, told me that he would like to speak about the mother wound. And I immediately was very excited and also a bit nervous. So the relationship I have with my mom, I work on every day. And I love her dearly, but you know she has shaped me. And I think, you know, as we get older and um, as we're trying to understand our mental health, right, we bring up accountability a lot and we bring up responsibility. So if there's one letter out of the Grab Lives acronym that has helped center me this week and ground me in my attempt to journal about the relationship I have with my mom, it's illuminate. So I think nowadays, if you have a partner, and you really want to show up for them, you have to understand your patterns and conditioning. You have to understand who you are and what helped make you who you are. And for me, I know personally that I, I was not able to show up for Leah and understand all of my triggers unless I dove in to examining the relationship I have with my mom. And it has led to some beautiful breakthroughs in ketamine and hypnotherapy and just understanding why was I having such an exaggerated reaction to something very small. Now, today I want to be very careful with my language because even though I'm comfortable calling it a wound because there has been hurt over the years, right now I'm paying extra attention to empowering myself and I may call the wound an imprint, right? There's an imprint on my heart that when touched in a certain way will produce an extreme reaction emotionally. So we all have these imprints. We all have stories, you know, with, with our parents and, and things that helped kind of shape us. And we're approaching it with a new responsibility to help understand our lineage, help understand our ancestry, help us understand different perspectives. You know, as we look at our parents, sometimes for me, it's helped to just see them as people doing their best. So we definitely want to make healing the star today and sort of, you know, how we discovered we have these wounds and what we did about them. So I know that Wolf is a bit of a, um, an expert on these subjects as far as lineage and ancestry. And it's, you know, part of the reason we've invited him uh, to speak with us today. So Wolf, if you're ready, um, we'd love to hear what, what you have to say about ancestry. Yeah. Great. Thank you. It's an honor to be back and to be with you both. Thanks and, for coming, um, brother. The power that you guys are putting out there and the beautiful work for the planet. It's just an honor to be of assistance to that and, and support this process of what you guys are putting in the world. Um, it's so great to be here to talk to you about this topic specifically right yeah. now in my life, I'm really working on this exact thing. And so it's great, perfect timing and alignment to, uh, to reference this. And um, in the reference to ancestors, you know, we, um, 
in our ceremonies, in our circles, we do a, a four-direction prayer. And one of the prayers, we honor the ancestors. And part of that is honoring the fact of realizing that we are the answer to a prayer offered thousands of years ago by the grandmothers and grandfathers to call in a soul that was strong enough to clear, clear lineage. Mm. And that includes patterns of behavior. That includes all the isms. That includes all the physical, mental, emotional, sexual abuse that's been experienced. Because as we shift now in this dimensional setting where we have to release all of this lineage limitations so we can move into a more expansive state of this Christ consciousness. And we can talk more about that maybe on a different podcast. Yeah. But, um, in that understanding, you know, the souls before us weren't strong enough to do this work. Mm. And so when you go into this inner deeper work, you begin to discover that not only are you clearing your own things that you're holding, but most of the stuff you're holding is from your lineage. Yeah. And so in that understanding, again, these, these, you know, whether you know it or not, these ancestors are supporting our process. And each one of us is, is like standing in the middle of a stadium full of hundreds of thousands of ancestors. And they're supporting every walk, every step, and every breath. Because we are the ones that get to be human in this moment. You know, to come be human is the greatest gift the Creator can give a soul. Yeah. Actually come be physical and be with yourself and experience yourself in a limited body, a limited setting. Compared to when you're in your soul's full self and not in form, you're in this full, expansive, infinite space. And so you get to come here and not just clear your lineage, but there's also there's a, there's a, there's a limited belief or a limited pattern of behavior in the, the consciousness of, of the collective. Yeah. And it's showing up in your lineage. And so in the medicine work and the meditation work and then all the things you do to go within yourself, you can tap into what this is. And the only way to clear it is to actually have to have an experience with it. And it's important for you not to take responsibility for it, but be accountable to it. Mm. You know, as far as meaning don't blame and shame yourself for it, right. but be accountable that it's there and you actually have the ability to clear it um, out of the lineage. You know, by doing even the work we've talked about before on the calls or on the podcast, you have the ability to clear seven generations above and below and sideways. Yeah. And so coming into this understanding is that when you go to do inner work, you got to look at this stuff. And the unfortunate part about it is you have to experience it. Yeah. You know? And uh, so you go in there and work on it, you yeah. know, and, and, but again, have to experience it. And so that's the, that's where you might call it a wound. That's where you call it, and more importantly, just call it a limitation. Right. Something that needs to look at. I love that you're using that word today, limitation, because that's how I felt. When I've identified my conditioning, it has felt like this is something that was given to me or passed on to me, and I, I've been unconsciously following it, but it's been limiting me because I haven't chosen it for myself. Hmm. So it's very empowering to realize, like, I don't have to live this way. I can clear it, and I can begin to kind of do do it my way instead of just the way that was passed down to me right and the first step of that is acceptance right you know compared to trying to fight it or or on that level it's more accepting that it's there yeah. you know again being accountable to it and seeing it's not something that's actually limiting you from being your folks expression because the true nature of your being nothing to be fixed nothing to be healed right but it's sitting in your system limiting your full expression of your being energetically mentally emotionally physically so when you can see it without attachment and clear it, as you talked about, it allows you to step more fullness into your being you yeah. know, and uh, be your true nature and be your full expression of life and purpose on this planet. Yeah. It takes a high responsibility to 
step into that role. And when you zoom out a little bit and step back and, and realize the power you hold, and we're talking about reclaiming our power here and reclaiming it through uh, acknowledgement of the self and acknowledgement that you are holding this high responsibility, it's um, an honor to do so. And instead of getting caught up in your own, let's say, whirlwind of emotions that are involved, it's best to just acknowledge the, the power you hold to do this type of work, to clear that and clear these things. And then something like a mother wound, it affects us in many different ways, like Trevor was saying, in our relationships that come up. And it's going to show up like that. It may not see, It may not seem like that it's correlated, but it is. And if we can acknowledge that these wounds that run deep, they're all they're always going to be affecting us in some type of way in our relationships we hold, our friendships, and our family yeah. in a continuous manner. Yeah, for me, I mean, it completely designed how I loved, you know? Like, I, I was loving conditionally for years, you know? That was the only role, well, only example that I had of love was, you know, you do this for me, and... I'll love you in exchange, right? It was very conditional. Yeah. And, you know, I've examined just, you know, the, the product that I am this week. And I've, you know, gone into certain patterns and behaviors. And, dude, I know for a fact that I've been a perfectionist for most of my life because that was a shortcut to get love, you know? I mm. see it differently now. I see it more as approval, right. you know? Um, but it was influencing everything in my life, not just how I showed up for Leah, but just how, how I walked into a room and would manipulate things, you know, do this to get this reaction, mm -hmm. you know, and it was a burden and that how, that's how it feels now. And, uh, you know, in identifying it as a, as a pattern that I, that I no longer want. Right. I was right. caring way too much about, um, outcomes. So I mean, it feels good. It feels good to kind of change the way that I look at life. And, you know, and I've released myself of that burden to be perfect, you know, and that, that in turn has changed the way that I talk to myself, right? I used yeah. to talk down to myself if I didn't show up perfectly. And now it's an opportunity for me to be compassionate to me, you know, talk to me like I'm just learning. I'm just doing my best, you know? So... Uh, absolutely you know these things they are difficult right they're they're difficult first to experience it's difficult to face them like i said john when you brought this topic up man i was like all right cool but also there, there were some reservations yeah. you know like for for me this week dude everything's going great right we had our detailed body scan we had our anatomy scan for our little boy and everything was perfect you know what i'm saying this was like yeah. we've never been this far in a pregnancy 21 weeks you know and I, uh, man, I, I broke down in the ultrasound room with just so much relief and gratitude and like Leah and I've been vibing, you know, and then when you brought this up, dude, you know what I thought about? My mom hasn't texted Leah once this entire pregnancy to see how she's doing. And that hurts. You know what I mean? Right. And so I'm, I'm trying to bring more consciousness into my relationship with her and understand that she's dealing with her own stuff. You know what I mean? She might be examining her ancestry right now or, or or whatever pattern she's working on right so we're all you know at times distracted and and i like bringing that amount of compassion and forgiveness into a relationship when you're examining it i even dude i sat down to do a journal entry last night and i challenged myself to just write down positive memories 
that I have with my mom and my dad. Just so this podcast sounded balanced. You know what I mean? Because you have to admit that there's a wound in order to heal that wound. But, you know, John and I, we preach a lot about not identifying as victims, right? So a lot of it is, you know, addressing the wound, but honestly putting a lot of emphasis on the, the healing portion of that. You know, and that, that has everything to do with how we talk about the relationship, the words that we use to describe, you know, our mothers and, and the impact that they've had on us. And I think the responsibility part is that I was reacting, overreacting, having exaggerated reactions to the smallest things. And Leah didn't even know why, why I was being triggered. And I owed it to her and I owed it to myself to investigate these triggers, to sort of free myself from these defense mechanisms that were, you know, born when I was a child, right. you know? So I think as you grow in maturity and accountability, it's just, it's a part of, it's a part of the process to sort of trace back these triggers to, to an origin. And sometimes they are from our mothers. Yeah. And if you think about just the, the physical context of, your mother carrying you in her womb and and then you, there's a cord attached you know to her uh, physically and when there's actually an energetic cord that is uh in response to that in your entire life and so you're you're sharing uh, information within that part of her and, and yourself and when there's a wound there and it's and it's disconnected it, it creates a lot of turmoil and I mean, for myself, working with, with others and helping people through their trauma and having clients and things like that, you see that it manifests physically in your body if there's something going wrong mm. with, with that wound. And it's amazing to see. I mean, I can, I can catch it every single time. Um, and in particular, for women, if they have issues with their um, the reproductive organs, a lot of it has to do with a, a mother wound yeah, uh, because of that deep connection that they carry. And sometimes women can't even have children because of that mother wound that's carried. And to really look at that and the value of, of acknowledging the mother wound and then going into it and discovering what it's teaching you before you have a physical response to it, it's really valuable. But most of the time we create our own suffering so much. And then by the time we get there, it's because we're dealing with something from a physical ailment that we have to fix. Right. Or find the, the balance with it. And a lot of it is emotional uh, attachments to it yeah. that we're afraid to reach or afraid to um, enter that space with it and, and acknowledge whatever it is, you know, whether it's abandonment, whatever it's betrayal, whether it's resentment, whatever it may be that's showing up, it's, it's a teacher to teach you something. And these, these correlations with these emotions, they're, they're within the wound mm. of, of the, a connection there you know yeah. and i want to really open up this podcast with our stories and individually and discuss you know whatever had happened you know what what are the attachments to each of our stories and how it's how it's transmuted in our, our personal relationships and in our bodies and emotional levels and and, and it's a really um important topic for me uh, because it's it's cut me so deeply in my own experience, and I felt physical ailments through this experience as well. And going into behavioral health, it's valuable to acknowledge that this is a important aspect of acknowledgement with understanding the entirety of it and something 
so valuable like a mother wound. So, um, yeah, brother. So, Wolf, I'd love to start with you, brother. And um, I always go to you for advice on, uh, you know, energetics and things that cannot be seen and your ability to um, kind of describe things in such a, a simple way, but by the same token, uh, new knowledge and information that's valuable. And your own story, I know I've heard some of your story as well, and it's it's uh, very similar to mine. Mm. And I know um, it's just you as my teacher and you training me with Cambo and um, and being in your home and all that stuff, you, you show a, a heightened sense of compassion and, and care for others. And um, it's very valuable to me as a student from you and also a friend and a brother. So, yeah, man, if you want to begin to share, then uh, we'll share our stories after. Okay. Thank you for that. It's an honor to just be partnership in this life and knowing that this goes way beyond this life, our connection. So for sure, it's always great to be with you and work together always. Yeah, in that, uh, I'm glad you brought up Cambo because, um, you know, Cambo's called Conscious Cambo for a reason. You know, and in that medicine, you have the ability to look at your consciousness and to go to the depth of that if you choose. Don't have to. You could also just get like a biological, neurological reset, but you can also look at your consciousness with that medicine if you choose. So I bring that up because in my training for Cambo, um, many years ago, in the initiation part, you have to go through three rounds of Cambo in three hours. It's really intense. And in my second round, the medicine brought forth a pattern I developed in sixth grade. Um, of how to deal with mom's depression. It was a pattern of fear of abandonment that evolved into lack of trust in the divine feminine. And so it sat there for the second round. I couldn't do anything to get it out. Nothing I could possibly do. I couldn't put my finger down my throat, couldn't drink water, couldn't do anything to possibly get out. It wouldn't leave. One of the most comfortable moments of my life. And in the third round, I had to come into acceptance with it. I had to fully accept what it is and allow it to show me and teach me how this pattern helped me at one moment, but I've been running it for 30 years and began to show me how I've been showing up in relationships in all of my life, including with any of Divine Feminine or any kind of relationship or female connection that I had in my life from a place of fear of abandonment and allowed me to clear it. And it was one of the most powerful moments of my life, you know, and it comes back to my mother. And now, first of all, you know, I was, I was raised um, by, with divorced, divorced parents and my mom raised me. And my mom was the epitome of unconditional love. She taught me what unconditional love looks like in a human form. And so she's an incredible woman. And she passed away about five years ago. And still to this day, we talk in meditation. So that cord you reference is still there. And she gives me guidance, gives me support. And uh, it's easier than pick up the phone. I can just drop into meditation. She's right there. And so I um, just want to first acknowledge what Trevor said. I want to acknowledge all the beautiful things about her and all the beautiful ways she impacted um, the man I am today, you know, and I wouldn't be who I was today if it wasn't for her beautiful expression of unconditional love and loving me no matter what, every moment of my life. And so I'm so grateful for her for that. At some moment in my childhood, as I mentioned, around sixth grade, seventh grade, she dropped into some manic depression. And it went from mom being in my life every moment of everything I did and supporting everything I did to being locked behind a door. And if I knocked on the door, I wouldn't get an answer or I would get a raised voice and she might come out that day, maybe a couple of days, you know, and, um, 
and then she'd come out and be all happy and then go back in the room and not talk to me, you know? And I really couldn't figure out what was going on. And I got really frustrated and couldn't understand it. And so at that same time, it's began, you know, getting into sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I began to also begin to have female relationships. And I can look back now of how I was walking through those and navigating those relationships from that place of fear of abandonment. And um, as I got older, it moved into more of that deep limitation of not being able to trust the feminine. Yeah. So in that work of understanding and evolutionary process, like actually what I'm working with right now in my life, um, this is, you know, in, in the past, you know, one and a half years, I've been prepping with my partner to, to step in a, to a commitment um, or a marriage. And before that happened, a lot of this came up. And so we're working with that right now. And I came to realization, honestly, through the medicine work, as well as really going deep within myself, that I needed to make amends with all the divine feminine beings in my life. And one of them being my son's mother and really connecting with her and beginning to build a new foundation in a setting, apologizing to her for not showing up the way that, um, that I could, yeah. you know, only showing up for the, the capacity that I could, that where, I, where I could and where I was. But now with this newfound understanding and clarity around knowing what the deepest limitation of my being is, is trusting the divine feminine. And so the only way through, what's, what's most amazing about that teaching is that it came to, came to clarity, um, actually sitting with that beautiful medicine of grandmother of ayahuasca. And she came to me and said, the deepest trigger you have is not trusting the feminine. And your only way through is to trust the feminine. <laughs> and she began to show me that my, my, my deepest limitation, that we want to call it, is actually my greatest gift. Yeah. And so now I'm really shifting my being and consciousness to shift into that space in every moment of my life. And all the divine beings in my life, um, you know, including the partner I reference about, you know, getting married to, is only holding them in the most divine light possible and learning to live in that space. And it's challenging in the way of like all my entire being, the ego and the mind want to create stories of why not to do that. Right. Because it feels like it's trying to protect me. Oh, for sure. And so there's been a lot of somatic release. There's been a lot of, you know, neurosystem recalibrations mm -hmm. of learning to step into that space and kind of take a step to the side and instead of confronting it, I mean, confronting in the way of accepting it, but instead of having to go to battle with it, like go to battle with all the reasons the mind and the ego is trying to tell me not to trust. Yeah. Grandmother Ayahuasca showed me that all you got to do is step left. There's a door. And you just have to walk through that door. On the other side of that door is that trust. Yeah. You know, and it's a pattern. And again, the first way to, to replace patterns as we talk about in Ren Shui or with Cambo is you really want to accept what's coming up for you and then you replace it with the heart quality. Right. And some of the heart qualities I'm working with right now are hope and trust. Yeah. And learning my system to go into that. And, you know, just feel called to share on, you know, my first aboga experience. You know, they talk about you can connect with your ancestors. And I was taken to a room of the entire male lineage of my being. And the medicine showed me, like, you picked this divine masculine lineage for a reason. And it's important for you to begin to connect to it again. And I'm realizing now that beyond this experience with my mother of the fear of abandonment and the lack of trust, 
that was created through that experience. I'm realizing now that this lack of trust in the feminine runs through the entire masculine lineage of my being. Mm. And so not only am I clearing it for my own sake and for my own being and for my own showing up in the way of how I relate to divine feminine and really unifying that relationship, I'm also clearing it for the lineage. And so it's deeper work happening. And I would have to tell you that this is the most transformational moment I've had in my life in the past 45 years of this existence on the planet. And it's incredibly powerful. And it's deep work happening. And it's... Uh, takes a lot of courage and strength yeah. and but it's it's working and it's working through but i'm telling you that that you know that limitation that sometimes gets created with you know our mother is our first expression of our connection especially as a, as a man or divine masculine our connection with the feminine yeah however that mother that's your first interaction that first relationship and mm -hmm. so that is going to impact your entire life and beyond and the way you show up in all the ways you relate to Divine Feminine. And so it's really important for you to brace that relationship and learn to bring love to it compared to allowing it be a conflict sitting in your system. Right. Because it's going to show up in all areas of your life. You know, and, and it won't, those relationships won't evolve to their highest experience if you don't clear these things, especially if you're relating to the Divine Feminine in any way. You know? Yeah. So, you know, including with your children, um, with your partner, um, your friends, the most important parts of you that represent that divine feminine. Um, and the way you can show up in divine masculine and really begin to build that relationship. You know, the, the natives have a teaching, and the teaching is about that the sun is the masculine and the feminine is the planet, Mother Earth. And the sun is consistent, constant, and stable. And whether it's a, a, a cloudy day or a um, and you can't see the sun, you know the sun's there. Yeah. You know it's there. And no matter with, grand, you know, Grandmother Earth, but if, um, Mother Earth, if she's showing up with a hurricane in, in Florida or a beautiful day in Maui, she's emoting herself. Mm. And you need to support that. And no matter what, it doesn't shift the way the sun's supporting her. And you need to support her being to emote herself and express herself in any given fashion and stay there in, in a constant way of shifting. You know, and um, again, through a, a recent discovery and experience with with grandmother, um, she brought forth, you know, a, a trauma that, that my partner, you know, is or was holding that I'm a part of. And she had me hold it. She said, I want you to hold this. Don't try to fix it, even though you play a part in it. But I want you just to hold it and learn how to hold this without trying to fix it. Mm. And this goes in relation to any experience that we have with the divine masculine and divine feminine come together, you know, um, whether you are part of that, part, that, that trauma or not, you know, or their limitation, say that. Um, learn how to hold it yes. and, and support it without the masculine, you know, energy of trying to shift it, you know, or find solutions. Absolutely, dude. That's so relevant to what I'm experiencing right now because... You know, we, we touched on this in our last episode, uh, the one before embodying addiction, right? A lot of guys have hit me up recently about how to show up for their partners, right? Everyone's taking something different from these podcasts. And in an episode where we talk about drinking and pills and all these things, right? It, it turned to our relationships, right? Because a lot of the work we do, we want to apply it towards something. You know, for me, I've had so much fun 
doing this deep inner work that's often scary and hard and exhausting, but applying it to this pregnancy or applying it to my relationship and, and the way I show up for Leah. And dude, I'm guilty of that, wanting to fix things. You come to me with a problem, here's some advice, you know? And I've had to really challenge myself recently on just how to hold space for her. And how, how, do, we, how do I validate her and just say that it's okay to be feeling those things? Because I think sometimes when I rush in to fix it, it's not honoring first the emotion that she's holding, right? And if we can hold it together, now it just it just puts teamwork above everything else, mm. you know, versus like, I'm the man, I'll fix it for you, right? So it's it's such a skill to, to sit in something that can often be uncomfortable, you know? For me, right, I'm a talker, you know? If she'll give me something, I'll, I'll have a reply. To just listen, to just hold space, you know, these are things that don't come naturally to me. But they're things that I've learned how to do that have benefited me, benefited her, benefited us. And I mean, this pregnancy has gone smoother than any of the other ones, you know, and I have felt more like the sun. I have felt more consistent and um, just more unconditional for her, you know, hmm. recognizing all the work she's doing behind the scenes, you know, hmm. just another life in her growing, you know, and. She's often not, you know, in control of how she's feeling or her hunger or, or whatever, you know, and just, just being aware of that and saying, you know, no, I'll be the consistent one, you know, cause so much of my life, dude, I've been the, not the sun, dude. I don't know what I was. I was probably the hurricane in Florida you described. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm entering into this new space of consistency and, you know, and support, right? It's a new kind of strength. I used to be in my head. I'd be like, okay, I got some advice or I know a solution. But to sit in your heart, you know, as a, a consistent source of support, you know, that's, that's divine masculine to me. Mm. Amen. Yeah. And taking the initiative to uproot something as well, it takes a ton of courage. And when you uproot a wound it presents itself to you in a manner for you to acknowledge all the stories and all of the lessons that are showing you something. And if you're willing to acknowledge uh, what it's illuminating to you, just like in our Gravelized acronym, it gives a better sense of yourself and the adaptability to it. And the importance of wounds as well is that there's this famous quote, it's uh, the wound is where the light enters. And as this illumination comes through, this wound is just all this scar tissue is being released. And now it's like a fresh wound again, which makes it really hard. But to feel so deeply is uh, so essential to the power of this human experience. And when we're able to uh, adapt to what, what this emotion is telling us, you know, now we're able to transmute it and, and, and clear it. It's really powerful stuff. And it takes a lot of effort for sure. I mean, it's, it's to say it's easy, it, I mean, that's just not possible. You, but you have to go through it to really understand it. And a lot of people won't go there. They have a sense of fear of what, it, what it's going to show them. Or they're just hiding and avoiding from what that, that wound's here to show you. And it, only through circumstances where something arises out physically in your body or some type of a terrible incident that happens to you, that's the only time you're going to look at it. And 
also sometimes things just come up because it's it's coming up for you to clear it and whether you like it or not and sometimes you're just you're forced into it you know and it's it's uh now you're you're talking about like your sovereignty and anchoring in with yourself and that reflection of, of you anchoring in with your being and and your ability to uh, face something head on. That's that's what all these these uh, teachings about your practices and the stuff we've been teaching about on this podcast. It, it really helps. So your circumstances don't push you over the edge. Yeah, and they don't they don't get the best of you. And um, I mean for for myself and my own story, uh, I can go into it a bit deeper. Um, but I just want to I I saw this um, video by Denzel Washington. And when he started talking about his mother, I started tearing up. And he said that uh, a son and his mother, uh, that's his first love. Mm. And when he said that, I just felt so deeply with it because I totally resonated. And I just, um, you know, go back to my own relationship with my mother. And my story with my mother is that she's, um, she had me when she was 17. And my family, they... Uh, grew up in, a, in a, a lot of violence, gang violence, and addiction problems. And through her experience, I even asked her one time, like, hey, mom, you had me when you were 17. You had the option to get rid of me. You could have had an abortion. And she replied to me, why would I do that? You're so special to me. Aww. And when she told me that, I was like, you know, this was a process for me, like recently healing my relationship wound with her. And when she told me that, I just was like crying. Yeah, um, because she was saying I, I could never get rid of you I mean look at you now I'm so proud of you um, and, and through her being able to um, leave all of that uh, that gang violence and, and all those things uh, she was able to raise me and it was just um, a very important aspect and she raised me with unconditional love as well and she really taught me the benefit of forgiveness and, and, and really diving deep into the true power of love uh, within our relationship together. And for myself, I think as I grew older, there, there was a bit of smothering involved with that. And, and it created a pattern for me to resist love sometimes. And by that same token, later down the road, there was an abandonment that had occurred with her and she fell down this entrapment with herself with dealing with um, uh, being in a church that had a lot of judgment and it created a lot of um, self-affliction on herself. And through her own childhood traumas that she pushed, pushed aside, she entered into a deep depression and addiction. And she had a hysterectomy at a younger age. I think she had a hysterectomy at 35. And after that, she um, had a lot of hormonal imbalances. And, you know, back then doctors, you know, the way they handle things is like, hey, here's some Zoloft, here's some Percocets. And we're going to just surgically remove your female organs. And for her, I mean, that's just traumatizing. And she, I think she didn't understand how to deal with that. And she went off on the deep end and through a deep depression and, a lot of um, a lot of treading water, and also my, my my parents didn't really have much growing up, so um, we were raised uh, with just um, the means of what could support us with uh, what we had, you know, paycheck the paycheck. And 
for me, I just, um, I always wanted to have a career so I can support my family. And so that's why I got into firefighting. And so I can do that and really transmute things for my, my lineage of just being able to just have a job to, to pay the bills and not be under the cosh, you know, of being afraid of um, paying, you know, the electric bill and paying for groceries. And through all this, I just made it upon myself and, and amends to do that. And underneath the, the layer, I was um, subconsciously receiving that my mom's under a depression. And I had, I had not acknowledged that until later in my life. And, you know, being under, you know, pharmaceuticals and under that vice, she had a ton of addiction problems as well, like later down the road until she ended up um, getting hooked on meth. And this happened actually like right before I got hired by LAFD. And it was a, this happened like a, just like a smack in the face all at once because all my dreams were being presented to me, all this work that I, I pushed myself for. Uh, the eight years that I, I had worked hard to sacrifice myself and and obtaining my portfolio in order to get hired by a great department, I had to deal with this. And this is at the time where I was prepping physically for uh, the academy in the drill tower. And there was a point where my mom came to my doorstep and she didn't look the same. And she had this look on her face like, uh, very glossy eyed and I looked at her I was like this is not my mom I I don't know who this is and I was like what's going on and then I I figured it out I mean I worked in the field of 911 calls for you know eight years prior to that so I was like she's on something yeah um, and it came to a point where I had to cut her out of my life and this was a marker for me and I remember this this one uh, period of time where uh, she came to my doorstep and it was raining outside and I didn't know what to do for her because I, I couldn't be in existence with her with the, with the state she was in. Um, it was psychotic and it wasn't her. And so I remember grabbing bags of food and, and some clothes that I had and I, I was I was walking her to her, her car in the rain and she was sobbing uh, and I just didn't know what to do. And I just said, mom, I, I can't be affiliated with you right now. You're not in your right state of mind. And I just remember uh, I was just in complete set of tears as I was doing this and leaving that I just was, um, heartbroken. Of course. Dude. Because I, I had to almost like, uh, consider her as like a dead person, even though she was alive. I knew you were going to say that dude, grieving the loss of someone who is still around is a real mind fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it tore me apart. I didn't know what to do. And I was in this survival mode to obtain uh, this career. And I was, I had a choice. You know, am, am I going to uh, drop everything uh, to handle someone who's hooked on math where I, to be honest, there's not much you can really do. Right. Because they're in, not in the right state of mind. And you, can, you can't force someone who's on math to really make logical decisions. And I had to make this really um, ho uh, heartfelt decision to really just stick to my path and my career and uh, kind of worry about it later kind of deal. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. And I think I didn't even tell most of my friends about my situation. It was just really harsh. And uh, through the pinnacle of all of it, 
um, you know, I went through the drill tower and I, I had mentioned this story a little bit uh, during the addiction podcast episode and I, it was Mother's Day, it came up and I was, um, I was losing some grades in, t- in order to graduate the drill tower and I wasn't making them uh, because I was just revolved around this, um, this emotional state around Mother's Day and one of those captains brought me aside. He's like, hey man, you got to uh, figure out something like what's going on. And I was like, dude, I, I told him everything. And he's like, that's harsh, but you got to perform. And we talked about like, yeah, that's how a department is. Yeah, that's the job. Whatever you job. got going on at home, you still got to perform. And yeah. you still got to do this job. And so I, I really gathered uh, my wits about me. And I just uh, stepped into my power and performed. And getting through it all, I had uh, gone through probation. And I ended probation. And my mom wasn't there when I, I received my, my shield. And it was one of the hardest things to to see because she actually was the one who was supporting me to want to jump in this career. And it really cut deep. Um, yeah, through all of that portion of that path of my life, I, I had to understand like that deep wound of abandonment was affecting me. And for me, like it started affecting me physically. I had a lot of um, chronic pain and I was like, trying to figure out why was I having so much chronic pain ever had this in my life. Mm. And it was because of this, this uh, deep severing of a cord that I had from my mom. And it just affected me in a way I didn't understand it. And later down the road, looking back at it, back at it now, I realized that I would, that's why it was affecting me because of how, how deeply it cut me. And uh, fast forward now, my mom's been sober and I've really been rebuilding my relationship together and spending time together. And when I had my concussion, uh, she would stay over um, at my, my place and we just really talked some things through and left no stone un- unturned and would just go through some stuff. And, you know, a lot a lot of it, she was just um, in, in complete sorrow of, of her choices. And there was a lot of forgiveness involved with, with our connection with one another. And looking back at it now, I had sabotaged every relationship in my life prior to that or during that cycle because of that mother wound, because I was so afraid to let anyone in. And I guarded myself so deeply because of the fear of uh, being abandoned again. And there is just no reason in my, my right state of mind to, to want to connect with someone. And if I did, it would be limited. Mm. And it was, uh, it was, a uh, a part of me being able to understand that my connection with that divine feminine was, uh, it wasn't there. And I can say that now that it's, it's an an entire transformable state with, with Haley and myself and the way we, we talk and the way we, we approach one another. And I give her, you know, that stage and that platform. And like you're saying, Wolf, like holding, that divine feminine is just, it's more than enough. And that's all you can do at some point in time. And it's just like a learning cycle, you know, through understanding this, this deep wound. And it's crazy because the way you had your three by three, that three rounds of Campbell in three hours is the same exact <laughs> situation I had with my abandonment wound. It was nuts. Yeah. And I couldn't um, understand what it was. And it was just so much grief that was, um, not being expressed and that grief just hurt so much that i just 
I didn't want to ever go there. And the, the beauty of Cambo is that it will enhance your ability to step into that place with yourself and fully accept it. And I mean, through that acceptance, the power of acceptance is a different tier that can transmute so many different things and so many, um, so many wounds, especially like a mother wound. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the gist of my, my abandonment with my mother and, and, um, the lessons learned are just, uh, connect with your mothers and, you know, don't, don't give up on your relationships, even though it may seem sour and you take a step back and understand what they're going through and see things through their eyes. I'm looking back on my mom's lineage. She's got so much trauma and broken lineages of a lack of love. And she was able to actually to support me through that and give that to me, which is just as powerful than anything else. Um, yeah, man. I want to thank you for sharing. I mean, I know this episode, it, it feels difficult in some ways, you know, for sure. Um, these are tough topics to discuss, but you know, one thing I thought of John is how sympathetic you are to patients that we go on that are hooked on meth. Dude, Cause you sure. know, that's a trigger for me. Right. I don't like meth. You know what I'm saying? I, um, it freaks me out, you know, like, when we go on patients that are overdosing on meth, they're extremely agitated. They're extremely paranoid. Um, it's like they're not even speaking the same language anymore. And, you know, I'm on edge. And I've seen you just be so kind and compassionate to them. And I think that's at the root of what we're talking about today is how we're looking at wounds as teachers. You know, and that's the that's the beautiful part of all of our perspectives right. now right. in this life, in this time, on this journey is I know we've all transitioned from, I know personally I used to, you know, these things are happening to me and now I look at them as they're happening for me, mm -hmm. you know? And so yeah. when you can look at a wound as something that gets you to address something that needs to be addressed, you know, and I really respect you for setting a boundary with your mother, right? Cause it's a two way street. I mean, right. you, you, you loved her throughout her entire process of, of getting sober, right? right? But you also told her, hey, you know, I have a condition of you're going to get sober if we're going to repair this relationship, right? Right. Because some things are, you know, forgivable and other things, like you said, you're not, you're not going to get through to them. So I love that she was able to, you know, get clean and then show up for you during your concussion. I mean, there's so much yeah. forgiveness in that story. It's really beautiful. Yeah, the power of forgiveness is a different tier of unconditional love. Yeah. Because you put aside all of your resentments or, um, you know, be betrayal that you're carrying internally and you let it go through the power of, of giving someone the benefit of the doubt of, of letting it just pass through the, the portal of unforgiveness. Yeah. And... It, it's a beautiful thing. And then she taught me that my entire life, how to forgive. And it's um, through her teaching me how to forgive and for me to, to turn it around and do the same, it's a paradox. Yeah, I mean, it's a balance of the opposites in direct form. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you're right, dude. I, I look at homeless people now a different way because I, I saw my mom there. Yeah, And I have a, a higher sense of compassion for them. And I think... 
we are very calloused in that state of uh, the homeless population in our in our line of work. When in all reality, it, there's a lot of stuff going on with with that that field of that population because, in essence, I mean, there's crazy things going on with the homeless population. I mean, it's they're desecrating the entire city. Let's just face it. Yeah. I mean, we see it happen all the time. I mean, they're lighting buildings on fire and assaulting random people on the streets. It's insane. Yeah. You know, but but that deeper sense of compassion is um, it's there for me, and it's only because I've felt it and I've seen it. I just see it as a direct mirror of my mother. Um. Yeah. Well, it's been inspirational to me, and that's you know, there's power in all of this, right? There's power in acceptance. I think you know, like. Well, if you, I, I love that you brought up, you have to experience it, mm-hmm. you know? And so even that, even being grateful for the experience you went through, you know, and then accepting that there's work to be done, you know? And we always talk about how the work isn't easy. A lot of this is difficult, but then there is moments, right? Where you right. see, dude, you see interrupting patterns. You see how you have the ability to do things differently. And that's really empowering, you know? And then you get that momentum, and certain days do feel easy when you're, you know, when you've got a clear conscience and you're, you know, uh, communicating with your higher self. And like when you, when you start to put, you know, p- uh, pieces of the puzzle together, dude, that is, it's, it's really uplifting, you know, it's been energizing for me. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's all worth it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's like I had reiterated before. It just takes so much courage to go there. Yeah, and then once you have the power to do it, you're you're stepping into that role, you know, of clearing your lineage and having that uh, support for the divine feminine in such a way that um, that needs to happen at this time in this period of of, of where we're at in our lives as humanity. Yeah. And dude, I love Wolf, how you just go into um, like indigenous teachings because we've really lost touch with indigenous cultures and the way things are taught. Hmm. And through the way they're not really domesticated, they go into uh, nature. Hmm. And that's the way they learn things. Yeah. Because it's, it's, they're, they're finding the lessons and the teachings through uh, the elements and through the seasons you know mm-hmm. and and through how this this planet is 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 shifting all the time and and they find this this greater awareness that's really valuable and we really lost touch with that for some reason you know we I mean we're in a concrete jungle now yeah <laughs> you know dude. and you talk about your mom teaching you forgiveness and then you later applying that back to your relationship i think our relationship with mother earth and nature it it's centered on reciprocity right you know and um yeah, man. I mean, we we work in kind of a rough part of town, dude. When we see people littering or just like, just being very narrowly focused, you right. know. And we preach before, dude, just zooming out, you know. Dude, something you mentioned about forgiveness. One of the things that, so we had a miscarriage last summer. And then we chose to go to Costa Rica for a month. And staying with my sister brought up a lot of feelings about you know, how I was raised. I saw like certain patterns that were, you know, kind of passed down and it it just was, I thought I was going there to work on, you know, our, um, 
process of, you know, healing from these miscarriages. And I actually went to do a lot of lineage work. And one of the things that really worked for me was the power and forgiveness, right? Because there were so many days that were heavy, like Leah and I would stay up talking about, you know, what we were witnessing or how we want to be as parents. And to start every morning with just, hey, I'm going to forgive what happened yesterday. And I'm going to start today with a fresh start. There's so much power in that. So, you know, like we talk about forgiving our mothers or forgiving anyone in your life, but forgive yourself, give yourself the opportunity to not start every single day with the baggage of yesterday. Mm. And that was like really powerful for me because it just lightened everything up. Right. Cause I, I talk about how I was a perfectionist. I would manipulate things, dude, I would leave, you know, uh, a party. Right. And then the next day I would wake up and think about everything that I had said at that party. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I was running for mayor or something like trying to get votes. Like it just didn't matter, you know? And, and there's so much of our past that can be teachers. And then we, we have to forgive and put it aside, you know, cause I, I was referencing my past all the time. And it was just, it was just a big block from me forgiving myself for things that had already been done and giving myself an opportunity to live fully in the present. Yeah, I mean, super powerful too. Let go. Yeah, because I used to hold grudges. I mean, dude, I wasn't taught forgiveness, you know? Yeah. And it's only recently come into my life, and it is such a valuable tool. Yeah, I mean, the power of letting go is has so much value. And I don't know, Wolf, if you know, um, give, give a better understanding of letting go, because I'm still learning it. And it's super difficult. And because I think I get up in the complex of my of my mental structure with it hmm. and I, I i know now that when i step into my my heart structure that's when it's transmuted and now i'm able to like go through feeling what it is and i can replace it and then i'm able to move forward and it's just um it's still a challenging moment when things arise and but the beauty and the power of letting go is um it's tenfold when you're able to do it and I think too, I think you said before, like reaction is, mm. is one thing, you know, and, and the reactions we have is, is, um, a beneficiary part of illuminating once again, how to let go. Mm. And the transmutation of that is, uh, really important to understand for the collective to step into the power of letting go. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of systems in place right now where we're holding on to that, we can't let go of as the paradigms are shifting under our feet. You know, we, we see it within our department. We see it within the politics, you know, yeah. if people can just let go of and just acknowledge and embrace change. Now we're able to move forward. And for some reason, there's a lot of turmoil and a lot of tug and pull with it. For sure. I mean, the, the power of letting go is, is that you're not allowing something to change you. You're not allowing it to, to just marinate all over you and affect you, right? But for the longest time, I had a negative association with letting go, right? It was like, um, like being indifferent or apathetic or aloof, you know? Like if you let things go, you didn't care. You weren't passionate, you know? You were giving up. You were being taken advantage of. All of these things, right? So I had to really like shift just the, the power of that word, you know, and, and my association with that word, 
And I think that's, we see a lot of that struggle, right? Because we're all, you know, stubborn. There's, you know, if we can't get it done, there's no one else to call. You know, that's right. kind of like at the heart of our mindset as a fire department. It's like, we, we will figure it out, right? We can't just like, <laughs> if we can't force a door, we're just going to let it go. <laughs> yeah, and I was, I live by this concept that the person who cares less wins, for a very long time, and I had realized yeah, how limiting a relationship. How limiting sure. that, was, <laughs> that was. That was that was doing me wrong in yeah. so many different ways. I mean, it was it was assisting me in a in a limiting way, but it worked for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think you said the person who cares less wins. I think the less you have invested, the less damage that could be done to you. Right. You know, I always talk. Remember, when I was down one time, and I told you, dude. I'm sick of getting hurt. I just want a lighter footprint. And yeah. You're like, that's not why you're here, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you, have a, you have a greater role in in this life, Trevor. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, um, and seeing it now, it, that was all in correlation to my abandonment wound, you know, and, and not being able to, to look at it deeply because I was afraid. Yeah. You know, but now that it's, uh, come to the forefront and able to really transmute it and give, uh, my relationship uh, way more um, different approach, especially with uh, with my girlfriend Haley, who is working through her own core wound of, of lack and trust in the masculine. Mm-hmm. And for me to be in my own integrity and my own responsibility of myself, it, it I hold it to a higher regard. It's able to help her heal and to help her transmute her own wound yeah. by stepping into that greater uh, position for myself and. It's, it's not easy. It's, it's very, um, difficult because a lot of old patterns will come up, old behaviors that I want to, I want to go back into. And when I see myself kind of going back to old behaviors, I'm like, why am I going back to these old behaviors? And it's far in between now, but they, they still come up. They're just patterns. Yeah. It's kind of a default setting. Right. I mean, but you're so good at spotting them now. Right. Right. You're much better. And I like the thought of, dude, I mean, Leah has a a Trevor that no one else has had. Right. Just like by you addressing all these wounds and healing this stuff, you're giving Haley a John that no one else has had. Right. And there's a lot of reciprocity in that. And there's a lot of beauty in doing the work to show up in a new way. For sure. All right. Well, I guess I'll get into my relationship with my mom. And, um, so I love my mom, right? She's very inspiring to me. She's very hardworking, super cool um, as far as being woo-woo. You know, like she'll take a trip out to Joshua Tree and have a little ceremony. And she's like got a great relationship with nature. Um, the thing I used to say about my mom was she was a, a great mother, but a terrible father. <laughs> <laughs> so... This is, um, I think, relevant to what we're discussing because we're, we're talking about divine masculine and divine feminine, right? And I'm, I'm truly with a partner right now that embodies divine feminine. And what it's helped me do is show up as how I want to show up as a strong masculine, right? Because we have to be balanced. So my mom, I think, married the wrong guy. You know what I'm saying? My dad wasn't really present, um, he just wasn't a storyteller. He didn't share much. I think he was like really involved in figuring himself out. 
So my mom chose to do both roles. Now here's the problem is her role models for the masculine were were fucking out there too. (laughs) Like my mom tells this story about her dad, my grandfather teaching her how to box. Okay. And I believe in that, like teaching a woman how to defend herself, but my grandfather knocked her out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) In her first lesson. All right. So this is like, when we look at lineage, we have to understand that, you know, like they didn't have the same tools, right? This is, this is aggressive. You know, if I have a daughter, that's not how I'm going to teach her how to defend herself. You know what I'm saying? Um, so my mom was trying to figure out how to show up as a masculine role model for me. And, um, it just, it just wasn't healthy. It wasn't healthy. Right. But she couldn't, she couldn't sit in the comfort of her feminine, right? Because she didn't have the opposite pillar of strong masculine. So for me, I have a fear of rejection. That's what it is, right? Because I was I was raised in sort of a conditional household, right? This is why I made straight A's because I figured, hey, you know, fly under the radar if you got a perfect report card. And this is why I study people. I study how they speak. I study how they look, you know, little like very small body language because, you know, I was... In a, in a household with big reactions, big reactions for small mistakes. So, um, you know, I talked about conditional love. Okay. So the way that I'm going to, you know, sort of visualize this conditional love is I used to get a look, just a, a simple look from my mom. But as a child, I interpreted that look as I'm not loved anymore. Okay. So this look has impacted me in so many different ways, right? It sort of taught me how to show people my best self, but not all of myself, right? So that's why I say Leah has a Trevor that no one else has ever seen because early in our relationship, Leah would give me a look that was similar. And I would tell myself, she doesn't love me anymore. This is the inner monologue that I had that was all ego-based. That was like, okay, how do we survive this? And the easiest way to survive it is to not get hurt by telling yourself, you know, you're, you're not loved. Right. So I had to investigate that. I had to investigate it a lot, you know? And, um, the reason I wanted to, because Leah wasn't inflicting harm. She was just giving me a look, right. But I was applying this wound that I had felt onto this look. So in order to be fair, in order to like be responsible for all of my shit, I started investigating, okay, what did this look mean? And what did it mean to a child? And what does it actually mean as I interpreted it as a mature man? So I brought this into EMDR sessions. I brought it into ketamine. Dude, ketamine completely changed my point of view on um, sort of how I live my life. You know, I, um, I sort of felt betrayed by two people that were meant to make me feel safe. Um, there was a lot of projecting going on. You know, I was a a very young therapist. I think I had my first client who was my mom when I was about five, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So there's a lot of like, Hey, grow up quickly. You know, I remember being five walking around the grocery store and my mom was, um, asking me what, what breakfast cereal I wanted. And I was like, ah, no, it's cool. They're too expensive. You know, cause my parents fought a lot about money or not having money. Um, so yeah, dude, I, um, I, one day in ketamine, I, I thought about this betrayal that I felt and, um, 
the epiphany that I had was because at the wound, at the core level of this wound was betrayal. This was the reason that I never dared to live my full potential or I never dared to dream the biggest dream that I could have because I thought, well, it's not going to work out because the parents you wanted, you know, you didn't get them. That It's not going to work out. Nothing's going to work out, right? I, ne- I never dared to, to feel fully present in the happiness that I was feeling. I was always waiting for the rug to get pulled out from underneath me. And so just that realization alone, right? It, it sort of, it, it just became obvious to me that I was living a certain way because of something that happened so long ago, you know, and I could free myself from that. I could begin to dare to dream bigger. I could dare to, to feel happy. I could dare to live my full potential, you know? I mean, even when you proposed doing this podcast, dude, there was a lot of like self-sabotage, like, oh, don't bother because you're not really going to help anyone. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I've always wanted to do a podcast. I love talking to John. I love having the opportunity to have great guests on like Wolf, you know, and it just, it was getting in my way. And, and that's the thing is like Leah just giving me this small look right? It was getting in the way of us working through a fight because I wasn't just bringing me into the fight. I was bringing all of my past into it too. And she didn't deserve that. So I started to handle things a little bit more responsibly. I started to hold myself a little bit more accountable. And I started to talk to my mom in a different way. You know, I started setting boundaries with her. You know, I I would tell her, hey, uh, even though I'm not working, it doesn't mean I'm available. And even when I'm not working, And let's say I am available. It doesn't mean I'm emotionally available. So I would literally tell her like, hey, this is when we can speak. And this is when we can, you know, go into our relationship because it was it was so much work energetically and emotionally that I couldn't I just couldn't tackle it every day. Right. And that's what I want to mention, too, is if if you're on this path of inner work, set boundaries to protect yourself. You know, I was just telling Wolf that I'm my human design is half role model, half hermit. So when I put myself out there, let's say that I'm, you know, especially vulnerable one day, whether it's at the pool or at home with Leah or or recording a podcast, I give myself a treat of isolation afterwards so I can process everything that I did. Right. And I don't pick it apart like I used to because I'm not a perfectionist anymore. So I forgive myself and I let the, the, the healthy things, the positive things sink in and that's it. And then I move on from there. Yeah, I mean, it's, you bring up perfectionism. Yeah. And I, I had the same exact pattern. Capricorn's dog. I mean, it, it really <laughs> takes me, it's it's a double-edged sword, right? It creates me to create things and and make them very well, whether I'm doing art, whether I'm in my career, whether I'm in my relationships. Right. And I told Wolf this story, and the the beauty of my perfectionism really showed me um, a maturity level when I went to Japan Mm. and I went to go to this tea ceremony and they make these uh, pots of clay that they serve the tea with and they furnish them with gold whenever they're broken. And the method of what they call this is called Wabi Sabi. Yes. And what that means is that their culture embraces imperfection. Yes. And through that em- embracing it, you're able to see the beauty in 
the faults or the things that you may find to be imperfect. Right. And your imperfections are actually the way they're supposed to be. They're perfect enough. Yeah. And it gave me a really heightened sense of, of acknowledgement of myself and that pattern. I was able to really let go of that part of myself and then leave it behind. And seeing if I make mistakes, that's how I grow. And seeing how if I, if I'm doing something that if it's, all the effort that I gave into it, it's perfect enough. Yes, dude. And I love that perspective of highlighting something that is, you know, traditionally like bad, like a, bro- right. a broken pot and ma- and making it something beautiful, right? Because I, I prefer this process. I make a mistake and I show myself love and compassion versus telling myself, you better not fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> that is, a dude, that's a hard way to live. Yeah. No, I mean it's uh you're you're under this um this harsh criticism that you create for yourself and it's it's a, a self or it's a sense of self-affliction mm. and self-punishment. Yeah. And I think we're all guilty of that, of punishing ourselves for what? You know, there's no reason to do that. Yeah. I mean, I look at I used to have a lot of role models in my in my um related to basketball like michael jordan and and kobe bryant i mean these guys are perfectionists you know they're high achievers high achievers you know and they have um a greater sense of of you know making it to the top Mm. and sometimes their relationships they fail because of it oh for sure you know but by the same token they they still were able to be uh the greatest you know but some people had to suffer along that path and when one of my favorite quotes by Kobe Bryant is prove them wrong, mm. you know, and I really kept that for myself to push me to the edge of my limitations and go past them. Yeah. And that was really beneficial. And I think that that allowed me to do that. But by the same token, I think I, I sacrificed too much yeah. in order to achieve that. And it was conditional, mm. you know, and I think that acknowledgement of imperfection is unconditional right. because you give yourself that, that ability of self-love and self-gratification and knowing that that was enough in um yeah man yeah it's i mean this is a this is a big topic you know i i for me dude you have to decide what you want to be great at you know what i'm saying right. like if it's a sport for sure you're gonna you're gonna make enemies you know what i'm saying right. but i i decided you know three years ago that i wanted to be a great partner and a great father Right. And that, that was a, that was a big thing to accept because for the longest time, someone just brought this up to me. One of our classmates who reached out to me, he said, you told me at the drill tower that you would never have kids. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, dude, I used to famously say that. And I think it was a lot of fear, you know, because the role models that I had, I wasn't a huge fan of. And I thought my conditioning owned me. And so I would make the same mistakes that my dad did. And also at the time I was married, I didn't have a partner that I thought I could do it with. Right. You know, obviously I met Leah. She's going to be an incredible mother. I started realizing that my conditioning is a choice. You know, there's certain things that impact me and there's certain things that I can fucking, you know, break down and start from scratch. And, you know, and realizing, yeah, dude, uh, my dad's a part of me. Right. Yeah. And just just owning that, but also realizing that I'm different. I'm different, right? But it has affected me. You know, my dad was 
he was always famously doing like independent stuff. So like we would have a, a family project and he would go play tennis for like five hours. Right. So how that showed up in my current relationship was I was scared to ask for space because I saw him, you know, cause a lot of stress in the family for that, for taking something uh, for himself. But it's so funny that it, you know, it came up recently that I was like, fuck, am I like him? You know, because I'm going to the pool for two hours and it, it was just, you know, it was awesome to realize, no, I mean, dude, are you the partner that he was? You know what I'm saying? Did, do you work? Is your work ethic the same? And um, are you communicating your needs differently? And that's where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not him, right? Because right. the way that I tell Leah, hey, I got to go do this for me and I'm going to be back and then I'm going to be more centered and more focused and more present for us. I guarantee you that conversation was not having uh, happening in my home. Definitely. I mean, you're preparing to be a father, you know, and it's, uh, and to transmute the lessons from the way you were raised to change it is a high responsibility and a gift. Yeah. I mean, Wolf, do you, I mean, you're a father. Yeah. You know, so how, how have you been able to transmute, you know, something like, uh, you know, a mother wound into your own raising of your kids? Hmm. Great question. You know, for Trevor, for you, you know, one of the beautiful things about, you know, you, I think you guys have clarity around having a son. And um, one of the most beautiful things you can do is by showing example for your son, like how you treat, you know, Leah, you know, and being that example for him and um, learning the ways and be able to identify your triggers, right? Or those limitations if they come up and really being present as far as showing him how do you navigate that you don't need to do it by explaining but just more about leading by example yeah, yeah. from a conscious level for yeah. sure um so yeah it's it's i have a son as well who's seven he's amazing um and uh, it's great to have some incredible time with him and and uh you know with my son and his mother it's a little different of a story it's it's pretty amazing i was preparing to go um take a 10-year vow as a swami and met his mother and um, three months before we went to go do that and the third week of dating our son came to us in meditation and said you're my mom you're my dad and he said i'm gonna be a monk i'm talking about <laughs> and um later <laughs> yeah and his mom at the time had had really released the the hope of having a child um in her life and and um so we sat down and had to talk with this and so um and then understanding, you know, we, we, we decided to make a conscious choice to be conscious co-parents in bringing this child onto the earth. And so it's a little different. It didn't really come from having like a, a long-term relationship or, or in the really like even a, you know, a intimate relationship as far as on level of, of, of a long friendship. It was just more about we realized that we were guided to bring this child onto the planet and navigate that so it's been a little different of a navigation in raising him yeah for and, sure um that's one reason why as i as i mentioned earlier you know um making amends with her and and coming into full clarity around um my my deepest limitation in, in trusting the feminine and knowing that i had this is this moment of epiphany um around easter that it needed to needed to begin to work on that relationship you know and uh, unfortunately, my son wasn't really around before my mom passed away. I mean, he was alive for a couple of years, but didn't really get to see that 
relationship. I mean, mom and I have a beautiful relationship. And so in that relation, it just was that time in my child for that small portion of time, in my childhood. Um, but I know that he feels her. I know he, she comes to him in his dreams and those kind of things, which is beautiful. Uh, doesn't really, I don't really answer your question, but I know, I guess I'm taking more of a stance now in, in the only way to show him that and uh, the relationship with the feminine, the divine feminine is the way that, um, I relate to his mother and any witness that he has yeah. in, in that, that he can, he can be present for. Absolutely, dude. And that's, dude, that's helped cure me of a lot of anxiety. Like how do I, how do I raise the best son possible, you know, and how do I show up for him in a way that I wasn't really shown? Hmm. Um, and it's, it's the comfort in knowing that I treat Leah really well, you know, and I hold myself to a high standard and I have integrity and I mean, he's going to witness me holding her hand. He's going to witness me opening the door for her, you know, how mm-hmm. I speak about her, how I light up when she walks into the room, you know, all these things. And it's definitely put me at ease, you know, to just know that if I just live my truth, if I just be present, you know, he's going to pick up on a lot of these patterns that we all get passed down. Right. Mm-hmm. But hopefully I'm passing down the patterns that impact his life positively. Mm-hmm. Something yeah. you told me, Wolf, and in relation to my um, girlfriend Haley and myself, and you were just standing there as I was talking to Haley, and you, you said, John, don't tell her, show her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that really um, took me back a little bit, and then to see that my behavior is more important than my words are just as important or if not more and being around Paisley Haley's daughter it's showing me that she is so um, uh, observant and absorbent and she sees the way I treat her and the way I love her and she sees how how, uh, important it is how I value her because I'm showing her you know not just telling her and because I'm backing it up with my behavior, my actions. And I, that's why I feel such a high responsibility in, in it as his role to step into this, um, this protector of this home that I have and to not let myself slide back with myself. Mm. And that responsibility and, and integrity is just, um, even though it, it's at a high regard and it's an, at a higher uh, tier of myself, it's, it's uh, a really amazing thing to have and um i i carry a lot of honor for it and it's really put me into my my reclaiming of my own power with that and i think just by acknowledging ourselves the way we can transmute things and and even through our own hurt and through our own wounds we can just see how we can change and through the power of choice mm. and it's just um it's been it's been a, a process it's not an overnight fix Without a doubt, I mean, let's say two years ago, I was still going out and drinking and partying you know, on my on my days off every single day. Yeah, and just working a, a ton of overtime and just taking off, and going to a different country and spending there for uh, spending a month there. Mm-hmm. You know, and not caring about anybody else but myself. And uh, you know, just to really see how much I've been able to to see myself and to take on a role um, as a divine masculine as a protector as a provider but as a shower mm-hmm. um it's really been proving me um how wonderful it is and, and the wonderful thing of having a family and it's just the, the love that is just surrounding um the, re- the relationships 
within this home is just some really, really powerful stuff. And I mean, I couldn't have anything more than what I have today. And it's just, um, really rad, you know? Hell yeah, mm -hmm. dude. I'm happy for you. Thanks. Dude, you talk about different, you know, like how, um, You'll go through phases, right? I do. How many sure. how many phases have you seen me go through in the last <laughs> two years at work? You know Time what I'm saying? Like sure. I read Untethered Soul, and I was at work just telling myself, "Open your heart, open your heart." You know, keep it open or whatever. And um, man, I was feeling things deeply. You know what I'm saying? But in like a good way and a bad way. I was feeling the highs and I was feeling the lows. You know, and then the next segment, I would try to like just kind of like shut down. You know, not not get too invested emotionally in any one call. You know, I've had to experiment um, so much, but you know, since I I sat with you, Wolf, um, last summer, I I've mentioned how um, I realized that I have a bond with my son, mm -hmm. and this was before we even got pregnant, right? Now that he's um, here with us and we we we've seen his face, you know, in an ultrasound, it, it becomes even more helpful as a tool but even before he was here i started acting in a way that he was with me hmm. you know to model this behavior how do i want to be as a firefighter if my son was in my arms or let's say he was old enough to know what the hell was going on and watch me you know and that and that really motivated me to show up um as an authority as someone who was uh kind and compassionate and you know, under control and just, um, just my, my, my highest self, if I could picture him, he's, you know, he's a really good dad hmm. and, you know, picturing my son with me has been a, a very valuable tool, um, to use at work. Yeah. Cause we get tested all the time, dude. Repeatedly. I mean, people don't, Always. they don't realize, dude, like, I mean, speaking about meth, right? So like I'm personally triggered by meth, you know, and I go on an overdose and then the next call is, you know, someone's grandmother who fell and broke her hip and just to transition between those. I mean, you really have to stay grounded in who you are, you know, because sure. let's say like, you know, just me, right. Entering into a relationship with Leah, carrying this, this mother wound and not understanding it. If I don't understand myself and my reaction to mm -hmm. a meth patient, right? And I'm just carrying all of that negative energy into someone's home, you know, that's irresponsible. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it takes a greater awareness to shift that. And it takes a lot of practice as well. Yeah. And it's not like, I mean, for myself, recently I had not shifted and came home to work and I, I could see the consequences mm. you know and it turned into an argument yeah and it sometimes you get caught off guard and it, it's just a, it takes a lot of effort sometimes and then that, that's the part about our line of work is that we're put in a place to constantly do that shifting mm -hmm. with ourselves and it just uh it, it's sometimes we fall short you know and we can't also punish ourselves for falling short we just own up to our mistakes and that is just as powerful as, you know, shifting your vibration when you come home. Yeah. And I just learn from my own mistakes and I'm just always the first one to really raise my hand and acknowledge, Hey, you know what? I, that wasn't right. You know? Mm -hmm. And I just, uh, I, I apologize. And with that comes a lot of, um, growth 
and it really plants a lot of seeds and a lot of trust, especially for Haley who needs someone to hold her in her wound of lack of trust in the masculine. Right. You know, and it's, um, it's just, it, it takes a lot of um, disregard for your own patterns and, and things that come up for yourself and, and the selfishness. Cause it's a lot of, in the relationship, it's a lot of selflessness. Mm. And it, I mean, that's a, a branch off of unconditional love. Right. Uh, and being able to do that, I mean, that's the way unconditional love is set up, and it's it's a selfless effort. It's something that's always giving and receiving. And if I'm able to really step into that role and, and apply that as a cornerstone in my relationship, it really leads me into um, a higher understanding of my myself as a role model and as um, a partner. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and in that understanding, you know, I've had a recent experience with that you know, is like that, that deep mother wound, you know, showing up in relationships, um, you know, with your partners or with your wives or anyone you want to call that. And, um, it's just really important to come into that place of accountability. You know, I, I know growing up myself, I don't mean grow up as a child, but growing up as far as over the past 45 years, you know, there's been moments of my stubbornness that have shown up and almost defended that limitation, you know, in my actions for sure. And getting into a place where you're really just honest with yourself and, and, and truth with yourself and and um, being able to know there's different perspectives of different experiences that happen between, you know, your loved ones or your partners and being able to be accountable um, for the way you show up or didn't show up, you know, and really come into that softness, yeah. you know, with that. And, and I know you guys work with, um, not really gender-based, but, you know, you're, you're on the... In the department, I'm not there, but in the department, you're really, you know, motivated or um, encouraged to really stand in that strong divine masculine energy, you know, and then to shift that as you drive home and then, you know, approach your partner with that softness, you know, can be a big transition. Big you know? transition. And um, so I commend for both of you for, for just being conscious around that and having awareness around that. And yeah. I'm not in the fire department, but I've working with that myself, yeah. <laughs> you know, just, uh, just being able to approach, um, the divine feminine with the softness that they need and, and, um, when, when needed to, um, be responsible for your life, rea- your, your reactions or actions and lack th- or lack thereof and, um, being able to apologize. And it, uh, you know, it's taken me some years to figure out that, uh, you know, apology is the best way and, and, and come to surrender in a beautiful way of, of softness. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it's just really, it's really powerful. It's really powerful to, to step in that space of yourself. And, um, sometimes it might take a life, lifetime to learn that. Right. You know, but it, um, it's the only way you can really meet that, that mother wound or that mother limitation, um, that you, that you will show, but it will show up in the way you relate to all the divine feminine beings in your life. Because either way, there's a certain screen you have in your mind around that relationship. You know, and being able to meet that with again, with sincerity and um, open heartedness, and and when when needed, um, apology and and uh, and softness. Yeah, and I'm still learning that one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've talked about qualities that are celebrated at our work that are not <laughs> celebrated at home, mm-hmm. right? You know, I think as a paramedic, I use gentleness more than someone that's on the truck, you know, obviously doing a 
uh, physical rescue is a, a very different call than taking, um, you know, an infant out of a mother's hands and treating them, right? I have to use gentleness, but on most of our, our calls, gentleness, there's no, there's no place for it. Right. But in my relationship, it's a huge quality mm -hmm. that I try to show. Right. And, um, I think just the more you can get to know yourself and understand that you're wearing this tool belt, you know what I'm saying? And like, for me, gentleness has a place in the tool belt. Mm -hmm. But prior to getting to know myself in the last three years, I, th I think my, I had one tool. It was a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> and I would use it on everything. Yeah. And, you know, different jobs require different tools. Mm -hmm. And I think as we grow as men and we realize that we do have this responsibility as men, right? Um, and just understanding that, you know, the more tools you can have the more specialized you'll become at, at knowing which tool to use for which project. Mm -hmm. And that's been, um, that's been really fun for me to put new tools in the tool belt. You know, it's been really motivating and, and I'm sure come August, I'm going to have to <laughs> get an even <laughs> bigger tool belt, you know, as a, as a new dad toolbox. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Whole shed. <laughs> All right. Well, I just want to, Wolf, I want to thank you for being here. Um, it's been awesome to have you. You're just such an incredible mentor to, I know, the both of us. And um, we look up to you, you know, because you've held yourself accountable. You've had the, the bravery to, to look inward, you know, and to understand that you have a responsibility, not just to yourself and to your loved ones, but your lineage, you know, and mm -hmm. there's great power that comes in that. Like I'm saying, I'm using my future son who's not, you know, here yet. Right. Um, I mean, he is in a way. Right. But I'm using him as a motivator for how I act in this moment. Just like going into my past relationship with my mother helps me show up for her in our present relationship differently. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's a lot of power in this work that we're doing. Um, and I know it takes an incredible amount of bravery to, to be vulnerable on this subject, you know. And um, yeah, dude, I just want to thank you for being here. And John, you know, I love you. Thank you for sharing. Of course, brother. You guys good with closing it for today? Yeah. I'm ready to do yeah. a cold plunge, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we both did it prior, so you're next. Oh, yeah, hell next. yeah. Go for a new, <laughs> new record. Um, and I just want to mention, you know, I forgot to say it at the beginning of this episode, but it needs to be said that the views expressed in this podcast are not the views of the Los Angeles Fire Department. All right. All Their right. Own, our own views of Grab Lives Podcast. And see us on Instagram, Grab Lives underscore podcast. That's right. And now, John, can people listen uh, in more than one place? Not just Spotify. We've got what? So we have Apple is now, it's now up on Apple. Okay. And Spotify and Amazon Music, which I didn't know anybody actually used Amazon Music, yeah. but Apple is kind of like one of the bigger platforms. So it's yeah. up on there. And yeah, we're looking for sponsors like Liquid Death. Hey, if you're listening, we're here, ready to support you, <laughs> already, support us. I submitted something to them. I'll, <laughs> I'll follow up this week. But I just want to encourage everyone, DM us on Instagram if you need to reach out. Okay, like for John sure. said, it's at GrabLives underscore podcast. Um, I've gotten messages from people all over the country, and it's felt really good to, to give back 
So just a reminder, you are not alone. Um, we're all about making friends and sharing our knowledge with each other so we can, you know, rise together in this consciousness. Yeah. Uh, we're here to share our stories with one another, you know, and, um, yeah. Great. You guys just really honored to, um, beautiful work that you guys are doing again on the planet. Um, not only in your jobs and what you do and save lives and grab lives, <laughs> but what you're doing here is just really, really powerful. And so it's an always a blessing to, to come back and, and connect with you. And, um, I'll just do a little plug for myself. Um, any kind of connection as far as Instagram as well as at Wolf Pernananda, W-O-L-F, Pernananda, P-U-R-N-A-N-A-N-D-A, and, and or email Wolf at Cambo, K-A-M-B-O-I-S dot life, L-I-F as in Frank E, Wolf at Cambo dot life, or sorry, Wolf at Cambo is dot life. So yeah, so thank you. Absolutely. Cool. I'm sure we'll see you again, Wolf. Always. <laughs> All right, everybody. Take care.